Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Hey, it's good to see everyone. Welcome to church this morning. Uh, my name is uh, Mike Hattinger. I man, have the amazing privilege to be on staff here working with our young adults and life groups and uh, things like that. And I get to share this morning continuing our uh, retro sermon series. Uh, one quick note, uh, the refresh night that we mentioned, it is at 6 p.m. as a slide. Um, we had a mix-up on our calendar, so it's at 6 p.m., not 7, next Sunday night. Uh, come a time of worship and of just uh, being with God. It's a, it was a really good time. Last November we did it, and we get to do that again next week. Uh, so I'm speaking um, this week, continuing our retro series, and I actually got to share a version of this message uh, called Months Ago with our men's retreat uh, in October. Uh, and so if you're, you were there and you hear this, you're going to ha- hear some familiar things. Uh, speaking of men, uh, we have something coming up for people who are not men. Uh, but ladies, we have a chocolate and chat happening this Friday. Uh, so for our ladies, you're welcome to come to that. Sign up on the website for that. Uh, they'll be chatting and chocolates, and that's as far as I know, but it, it'll be a good time. Pastor Robin's leading that, uh, so you're uh, welcome to that. And actually, today we're going to be giving away a little bit of chocolate uh, in honor of that uh, happening this weekend. So we're continuing retro, and here's the basis for this series, is Jeremiah 6.16. And Jeremiah was an ancient prophet, very emotional, intense prophet. Uh, his nation was facing a time where they could have gone one of two ways. Uh, he was calling for them to turn back uh, to, to wise ways and follow God, and unfortunately they refused. And so Jeremiah had this message, and here's our core verse where our series comes from. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient past. Ask, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jeremiah is imploring the people, saying, hey, look back at what our ancestors did before us. Look back at what people of wisdom and character did before us. Let's choose that way. Let's learn from their mistakes and learn from their good decisions. Let's go in that way. In the same way, that's what we want to do, is we want to look back. You know, the, the early church started, it was a couple dozen people in a room somewhere after Jesus' death and resurrection, and within 100 years, the world looked different. Within 300 years, I mean, just... A couple generations, the, literally the entire landscape of, of the world was changed from a couple dozen people in a room. So what did they do? What did they do differently? What did they do right, wrong? What can we look back and use their wisdom to help us navigate, uh, you know, crazy times, right? Like life always has places where you can make decisions, but see, especially in our world, our country, in your lives, we want to use their wisdom, use some of... Uh, the characteristics that they had and they used to to give us wisdom and help us move forward. That's what this sermon series is all about, is going retro, looking back at what they did. Uh, Now this week, it is, uh, disclaimer, it is a little bit of a heavier message. Uh, Man, I want to share it with humility because it applies to me 100 million percent as well. Uh, We're talking about a few themes that are a little more mature. If you have kids in here, I just want you to be prepared for that, talking about some, some abuse and things like that. Um, so I just want you to be prepared for that. Um, but man, we have, we have a problem, you know, in, in, our, in our culture, in our church culture. Just in the last five years, I'm not going to say any names, but just in the last five years, there was a very prominent pastor, uh, pastor of a megachurch, and had alcoholism that was hidden, and he didn't deal with it. 
Pretty soon, the alcoholism took over his life, and he lost his marriage. He lost his position, lost his church, and he was done. It was a, it was a public, shameful fall. There's a university president, Christian university, very well known, who found out he was having not just affairs, but kind of weird, some weird kind of affairs that became public knowledge. And after years of leading Christian university, being a figurehead in the Christian world, crashed. There's a Christian comedian who manipulated people for sexual favors and in exchange for, for gifts and things like that. There's a prominent pastor, another pastor that uh, you know, fell into, I don't know the whole story, if it was just a mistake or abuse or what, but um, got sexually involved with other people, part of the church that weren't to his, his spouse and his ministry came crashing down. There's another international ministry leader well-known for years and years, 40 years of administering and built um, a multinational corporation with hundreds of employees, found out that he sexually abused and manipulated women underneath him, giving him favors and, and manipulating them and, and just, just horrible things. Like that, I don't know about you, that makes me angry. It makes me upset. I don't know who reads a story like that and is like, yes. And I guess if you like hate Christians or hate God, maybe, I don't know, but if you're here, you know, that, that should not excite you. That should be really troublesome and worrisome that we constantly, continually have Christian leaders and, and heroes continually to fall shamefully. And that's, that's the problem I want to talk about today. That bothers me deep inside, and if you feel the same way, I want to talk about that today. It bothers you that we keep having these, these people that are supposed to be the bastions of faith and be the great leaders and examples of following God, and yet we find out they have some horrible deeds underneath and have caused some serious pain underneath. So with that being our intro, like I said, it's a little heavier message. Um, we'll talk about that. And, and, and the thing is, I know our young people today, our Gen Z people especially, they are so open to spirituality. I got a chance to talk with some high schoolers last week, and we were talking about how I mean, this, there's, there's apps on your phone that, that help you connect with the spiritual world in different ways. If you go to Barnes & Noble, we were there a couple of weeks ago. As soon as you walk in, that first front rack is all books on astrology and, um, you know, palm reading and uh, reading tarot cards. And there's, there's, just, there's such a hunger and desire and thirst for spirituality amongst our young people. So it's not that they don't care. They're looking and knowing that something is, something is real beyond just what we can see and touch. There's something deeper. They recognize that, but yet... Trust and attraction to church and religion and institution is at a, as super low, all-time low in America. And so there's this desire for spirituality, be it a completely, uh, dis, complete distrust and a disconnect from things like church, things like, you know, put, you put the, the term Christianity over it. And so that is an issue. We want people seeking God, but yet not to do it on their own, but do it in the right community. So if you want to be part of the solution, like I do, if you want to be an example for our younger people here today where you're going to live a life, yeah, you're going to make some mistakes, but not where it turns into a complete crash and not leave them disillusioned, I want to be part of that solution with you. That's what I want to talk about uh, today, talking about integrity. Integrity is our characteristic for today. And my dad taught me that integrity means you're the same person when no one's looking as when everyone's looking, right? There's no parts of you that's that's, that's hidden or different. You're not keeping anything different, but the entire part, the entire whole is sound. You know, when, it, when, when a, something, a building has integrity, it means it's, it's going to hold. Every part of it is, is strong and is secure. We need integrity. 
We need integrity in our life. And, and look, I, I don't think, we'll talk more about this too, but I don't think any of these, these leaders that we talked about, uh, I don't think any of them had any evil intentions. I really don't. I don't think they planned to gain power in order to abuse people. I don't think they planned to gain power so they could then abuse alcohol secretly. I think they had pure hearts and loved God and loved people, but something in there was, was cracked and broken and it wasn't addressed and it grew and, and it gave them a lack of integrity and, and something caused the entire thing to collapse. So integrity, we need integrity today. It's what I want to share, talk about. Look at how the early church had it, now why it's so important. So here's where we're going. Uh, this, this message overall is a warning, all right? It's a serious, more somber, serious message. This message is a warning, right? Uh, you know, there, there is going to be a little bit of an uplift at the end, um, but hey, I want to say, hey, let's, let's be aware. Let's wake up. These things can't keep happening, right? This, this, the, these things where people in, in Christian uh, authority uh, keep hurting others below them, that has to stop. That's not Christ-like. That's not what God has called us to be. So let's stop that. So this is a warning today, right? So we're starting with the warning. The whole message is kind of a warning. Um, now, Pastor Kevin showed us some great warning signs a couple weeks ago. I have a few more to show us. Let's look at some great warning signs. Hopefully, this message is a little more uh, effective than, than the, or I guess equally effective than these are. Um, I'll say, hey, it, at least the church is recognizing articles of value should not be left on seats while receiving Holy Communion. Um, now, it, Catholic churches, other churches, people will leave their seats to come up and get communion and go back. So if you're warning people not to leave your, your stuff in, in chairs, at least you recognize awareness is the first step to having a problem, right? Or to solving a problem, I guess. All right, what's another one we got? I'm not sure who looks more excited in that picture, but uh, yeah, I, I guess that's a pretty effective sign. If you see that, you're like, okay, I'm going to stay away from any angles right now. All right, let's go to our next one. Do not touch. Not only will this kill you, it will hurt the whole time you are dying. <laughs> yeah. Not no big deal. Well, maybe I don't want to go through that then. And then um, one more to show us that people often ignore warning signs. This is uh, in England. For a more efficient service, please alight at the next stop where a team of heavily drugged sloths will drag you to your next destination. So I think, yeah, a little bit of a, a, a joke there. People don't really read these signs anyway. But. So that's what today is but a little more serious. Today is a, is a warning sign. I say, hey, pay attention. There's something here. I don't want it to be my words. I want it to be uh, the Spirit, God's Spirit talking to us today. So here's the main point. If you walk away with one thing, if you walk away with anything, it's this, this point right here. There's no one so virtuous you cannot break. Here's our warning today. There is no one so virtuous you cannot break. I said, I, I know the, these, these people had good intentions and there's so many more examples you can look at. Pastors, leaders, figureheads. I'm sure they had pure hearts at some point. They, they desired and loved God. They loved people. Um, but guess what? They weren't so good. They weren't so holy and pure that something bad couldn't happen. In the same way for us, there's no one so virtuous you cannot break. It doesn't matter how good you think you are, how well you've done for the last 20, 30, 60 years, how long you've been coming to church um, and, and I applaud those who do. If you've been faithful and serving, thank you. We need people like you. But let's, let's be aware that there is no one. It's not on our own virtue. It's not on our own effort that we stay good. Right? There's no one so virtuous. We cannot break. And honestly, we see the same thing in the story of the Bible. The Bible is uh, 66 books, but it's one story that points to Jesus. And throughout that story, it reveals who God's people are. And what it reveals is that God's people are morons for the most part. 
honestly, like uh, just reading uh, this week, the story of the golden calf, God delivered Israel from Egypt. He split the Red Sea open. And as soon as they get bored and a little confused, what do they do? They build a golden calf and start worshiping a cow, right? As soon as things don't go their way again, uh, let's, let's try something else. How about David, the, who's described as a man after God's own heart, right? Someone who really desires God and wants to be good and wrote so many songs and poems about how good God is and how good we want, you know, he wants to be. And yet he committed adultery, looked at a woman and took her, killed her husband, right? Like horrible, horrible things. How about David's son, who, who was God's chosen and God spoke to him and God gave him gifts and yet by the end of his life, he's married to 700 women and, and builds idols and other things throughout the country. Yeah, there's a lot of good there, but man, there are some big mistakes. And that should be a warning sign to us. And in fact, it is. It is. So if I can ask you to stand, we're going to read a passage from the New Testament today. This is Paul writing. This is from 1 Corinthians 10, 11 through 13. And Paul is writing this letter to a church just like us in the city of Corinth. He's writing this letter to encourage them. And he's telling the, he's telling the same story. He's, he tells a story about how the Israelites were God's people, but yet they kept chasing idols. They kept rejecting God. And he says, these people were not smart. They weren't doing it the right way. And then he says this. These things happened to them as examples. Were written down as warnings for us. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. God, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This is a warning to us. And actually, uh, the message version, which is a modern version that takes the, the Bible and it puts it into words, uh, modern language and phrases, it says it so well. If I can read that version as well. Here's what it says in the message version. These are warning markers written down so we don't repeat their mistakes. Let's not repeat people's mistakes. We are just as capable of messing it up as they were. You and I am just as capable of messing it up as any of them were. Any of these people that maybe we gloat over or like, whether they're in the Bible or from two years ago, we're just as capable of messing up. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You are not exempt. You could fall on your face, fall flat on your face as easily as anyone. I'll flat on your face as easily as anyone, but no test or temptation that comes your way is beyond what others have had to face. God will provide a way of escape, and he'll always be there to help you through it. That is good news, at least. That is good news. Man, today is a warning, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a prayer and say, Jesus, please let it not be my words and my passion, but let it be your words changing people's lives opening up our eyes, help us live the way you want us to live and not cause brokenness in this world, I ask in your name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated today. So today's is a warning. There's no one so virtuous you cannot break. That's the main point today. No one so virtuous you cannot break. Um, so looking at where we're going to go today, um, our, our roadmap, this is again, talk about a warning. We started off with a warning. The whole message is a warning. Um, but we're going to we'll look at an example, of, uh, an example of integrity from the early church, an example in Acts. Right, that's going to be our first stop. Um, then we're going to look at why it's so important to have integrity. Uh, and then finally, we're going to end with some hope and end with some how. Right, so that's our roadmap, roadmap today is an example of, of integrity, then why it's so important to have integrity, 
And then finally, we're going to finish with uh, some hope and some how. So let's start with our, our example. Stop number one on our, on our roadmap. We're going to look back at the early church in Acts. Look at these ancient paths, right? That's what the series is all about. Let's look at the ancient paths and see what they did. There's a story that I believe is going to show two people having some immense integrity. And let's look at that now. So this is from Acts 14.11. Uh, so when the crowd saw what Paul had done, now to fill in what he had done was he had just healed someone who was lame. Paul and Barnabas were in a new city. Someone couldn't walk. Paul healed him. Boom. He's well. Miracle. Amazing. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. And Barnabas they called Zeus. They called Zeus, Greek god. And Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. So who did they call them? They called him Zeus and Hermes. That's important to remember. They called Zeus and Hermes. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. Okay, so a healing happens, which is pretty incredible, pretty, you know, that's not something you see every day. But it almost it seems like this crowd is overreacting, right? Like, they go into a frenzy. Oh, these are the gods come amongst us. Let's, let's start sacrificing to them and giving them gifts and all this stuff. Like, they instantly go into turbo mode trying to worship Paul and Barnabas. And this hadn't happened uh, anywhere else. And I think there's a little bit of background here. So um, there's an ancient Greek poet named uh, Ovid. Ovid, and he has a story. And this was uh, Ovid I, who was much more popular than his descendant, Ovid 19. And so, <laughs> oh, thank you, Aiden. So Ovid is a uh, Greek writer, Greek poet, and he writes a story, um, and that's set in the nearby location where this is taking place. And Ovid writes a story where the gods Zeus and Hermes come down to earth. And they come down and they visit houses. They go, they go house to house. And they, you, you can't tell they're gods. They look like normal people. In fact, they look like travelers. And they're knocking on doors, and they, they ask for shelter and food, and every house turns them away. No, 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 no. Finally, I think, yeah, I think the legend is a thousand houses. They go to a house and a couple, and the couple takes them in and gives them food and shelter. I think we have a middle, medieval picture of, the, of art that it looked like. Where they, they feed them and they, and they shelter them. And finally then, Zeus and Hermes reveal themselves and say, hey, it's us, we're gods. And then what happens next is kind of crazy. They, I guess they take them outside and they watch as they then flood the entire valley and everyone who... who um, Rejected them is flooded and died, but then they look and see their house, and their house gets turned into this huge golden temple. Right? So that's a, that's a story that these Lycaonian people would have been familiar with. A story of Zeus and Hermes coming to earth as regular men, as regular people, and the ones that responded well toward them were blessed, and everyone else died. So that kind of makes sense now why the crowd responded so crazily, right? They, they were like, they had this story in their mind of, we better not miss it. If the gods ever come down to us, we better treat them noise or they're going to they're gonna get us. Like, they're, they're, it's not going to be good. Uh, noise is a 2020 word for nice for all you Gen Xers and above. Uh, you, just, you just add the O, I don't know, that gives you more, more flavor when you're like, noise, yeah. So, so that they had this story in their mind that we, we, have, we have to be aware of this. And so as soon as something happened, it clicked like, okay, these, this must be the gods coming down to us. If we don't respond, we're in big trouble. So they were kind of acting out of a little bit of 
fear, but a little bit of that background, uh, I think it helps us illuminate why the crowd reacted so swiftly and so uh, intensely towards these guys, calling them Zeus and Hermes. But now here's, here's the thing. Here's the, the characteristic of integrity that we see. When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human, just like you. So Paul and Barnabas, they didn't look at each other and chuckle and be like, wow, these people are ridiculous. We're not gods. No, no, no. Instantly, they tore their clothes, which was the ancient sign of, of mourning and grief, and they rushed and said, stop. Stop this right now. Stop this right now. They shouting, why are you doing this? We are only human, just like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God. To me, that is a, that is a telling reaction on Paul and Barnabas. Not only did they not accept their worship, they made sure to shut it down instantly. They, they were so quick to make sure there was not going to be any notion of them receiving anything that wasn't really their due credit. They know they didn't heal the guy. They didn't have that power. They knew where that power came from. And they showed, to me, immense integrity here. They could have, they could have allowed a little bit of, of adoration. It's like, yeah, high five Barnabas. We are pretty awesome. Like, we're basically like many gods on earth. Like, God, God thinks we're extra special. I could easily see them having that reaction. Man, God really has empowered us. We're, maybe we are supposed to be Zeus and Hermes on the earth. Maybe that's what God really wants. He's given us this power. I could easily see myself having that reaction. Right? But Paul and Barnabas, no, they had integrity. They instantly said, we're not going to allow anything that shouldn't be to even exist around us. We're going we're gonna to fix this, shut it down instantly. And a little anecdote that... that uh, as I was reading this, this, this came to mind, a story from college. Man, college days, good times, right? All right you're, you're 21, and you think you are. Now you're fully grown, and then when you get 30, you realize, no, you weren't then. And, and I'm sure when I'm 45, 50, I'll look back at 30 and be like, no, you're still not. Like, it's not, you're not there yet. That's just, I guess that's how life is. But a picture of some of my college friends. Um, in the middle, you'll see, is Dylan. And then on the left is Kyle. The story is, is about them. We played... Uh, we played soccer for the University of Valley Forge. Um, and our claim to fame is we were better at uh, Division Three soccer than the Browns were at football. Just barely. Just barely. So uh, I think, yeah, an average of three and a half wins per season was uh, not so nice, I guess, if, if you would. But, but uh, this game we actually won. It was a game we won. And Dylan had a free kick. Sorry, Dylan's in the middle there. Um, and he had, a, he had a free kick. Uh, you know, it was a foul. And so he took it. And Kyle, and the reason I wanted to show the picture, because you see Kyle, he had, uh, he's half Iranian, he has a big curly fro, like, uh, it's all, all curls, and it, it used to be a lot longer even, big curly fro, and so Kyle went up to try to head it, and missed it, except it glanced a couple of his curls on the way in, and went in the goal, and the statistician credited Kyle with the goal, um, you know, the rule says if it's deflected by a teammate, I don't know if you can claim deflection based on a follicle, um, but you know, Kyle was like, I touched it, and the statistician gave him the goal. I'm sure it had nothing to do with the fact that our statistician was Nicole, who is now Kyle's wife, then girlfriend. I'm sure that didn't play any part of it. And, uh, and then for weeks and uh, even years, the debate raged on who, scored, who really scored the goal, who finished with the higher um, goal-scoring total for the, for the year. Actually, I just texted them this week because I wanted to make sure they were cool with me sharing. I didn't want to make either of them look bad or anything like that. And uh, even then, the, the argument uh, reasserted itself. And 
So, but Kyle, you know, Kyle was not as uh, much like Paul and Barnabas as he should have been. He claimed credit for a goal that uh, really he had no power in, in making happen, right? The, the power all came from Dylan. Yes, maybe Kyle grazed it with his hair, with his fro there, um, but he took credit. He didn't relinquish it. And uh, I know that's, that's not as serious, but maybe if he would have been more like Paul and Barnabas, he would have refused credit for what he knew didn't really come from him, Right? Paul and Barnabas, that's what, that's what they did. They didn't say, well, here's what I did. I at least, you know, I touched the lame guy. I'm the one who touched him last, right? Like, I get the credit for the healing. No, no, they instantly knew it's not, it's not us at all. We're not gods. We don't have any special power. We're human just like you. Human just like you. Turn to God. Turn to the living God. Integrity. They didn't let anything uh, seep in that wasn't really theirs to have. They didn't allow anything to be there that, that they didn't really have a right to. There's no one so virtuous you cannot break. That's our example of integrity from the scriptures there. That's our, our example. So next we're going to move into why is it so important? Why is integrity, man, so crucial, so critically important to have? Um, and so to help illustrate this, I need a few volunteers from the crowd. I need a couple volunteers, some brave souls who are good at creating something. Um, again, so in honor of our ladies night, I want to give away some chocolates. So either if it's a lady or a guy who has a lady that you can give chocolate to. Uh, any volunteers? I need to see some hands. Come on, older generation show. Give us an example. I said, I see a hand over here. Is that you, Riley? No, no, you're shaking your head no now. Come on down. I don't, can't see who that is, but is that Daisy? Come on down, Daisy. We need one more. We need one more. Come on down. You can go to this one here, and then Daisy, this will be yours over there. Now, before we start, I'm going to have you guys, um, you guys are going to create a, a, uh, like a bucket or a cup to hold water in, just so you know that's the, that's the contest, so I need to modify yours real quick. Easy. That is an intense hole punch right there. <laughs> there you go, there's yours, and yours is good. All right, so when we start, you guys have, we're going to have about 30 seconds or so to create something that can hold as much water as possible, all right? Does that, does that sound like a good deal? So now, now, you thought you were exempt because you didn't volunteer, but now actually we need full crowd participation. Uh, in order to time them, given their timer, we are all going to hum slash sing the Jeopardy theme song, right? So, that, so they have a little bit of ambiance timing them. Um, you know, do it, do it for me. Don't, don't let it be awkward up here for me. Or do it for Alex, Alex Trebek. <laughs> right, okay, so let's all participate. You guys know the Jeopardy theme song. If not, just... Just make some kind of noise, I guess you can do that. So when we start, when you hear the humming, you start, all right? We'll do two rounds of it. Ready? Da na 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 na. One more time. with the box form. Mm, mm, mm. And time. I will give you five more seconds to finish in case you were really close. Okay, so what's your name? Brianna. All right, we're going to have Brianna. You're going to go first. So you, in your bucket there, you have a bottle of water. Um, also, you have your chocolates. Take those out so they don't get all, all soaked. If you don't want chocolates, that's okay. You can throw it. Oh, you don't want, yeah, you don't want wet chocolates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so... Uh, you're going to start, hold the paper over the bucket, 
and you're gonna keep pouring until it leaks out the side, okay? Oh, there it is, stop, stop, stop. All right, okay, let's see how much water did you pour into it? We're measuring by volume here. Oh, that's okay, that's okay, yeah. It's just electronics, nothing's gonna get hurt up here. Okay, Daisy, you ready? All right. Now, Daisy, I really hope you fail for the sake of my illustration here, but for the, uh, personally, I hope you succeed, okay? Ready, go. Oh, stop, stop. All right, I'm gonna declare Brianna our winner here by a little bit, but Brianna, you got more water before it leaked through. Give our ladies a hand, everybody, one more time. You can take your chocolates. You can leave the stuff there, take your chocolates, enjoy. And uh, yeah, well done, well done, well done. Okay, now, first service was actually not close at all. First service, the lady who did not have, it was, uh, did you say your name? No, you said your name was Brianna, right? Did I call you Danielle? No, okay, Danielle was first service. Um, she got almost her entire bottle uh, out before it leaked, but the person, uh, Lisa Volney, poor Lisa, hers leaked instantly. Um, same, same here. Daisy didn't make it too far. Good try, though, Daisy. Um, now, why? Why didn't she do as well? I only took, like, maybe 1.5% of the paper out. Right? Only 1% of the paper was gone, but yet that one little flaw affected the entire whole of it instantly, right? That's the point there. That's, that's why it's so important to have integrity because one flaw can affect the whole. One flawed piece, even though only 1% or 2% of the paper was affected, I mean, how many holes would you have to, to punch to get through the whole paper? Probably like 500, right? So a couple of holes is really only a percentage or two, but yet one flawed piece can affect the whole. That's why integrity is so important. Again, going back to some of these failures we hear, even, even stories in the, in the Bible that we hear are examples for us. I'm sure King David, we know King David had a pure heart. He loved God. He longed for him. He was mostly good, but yet there was one piece of him that wasn't right, and he didn't guard it. He wasn't aware of it. He didn't put the boundaries in place. And guess what? Things came crashing down. Right? And the same, these, these people that we hear stories of, your heads, I'm sure they have good intentions. I'm sure they're not all bad. They're not even mostly bad. They're mostly good. Some of these, these ministries they have have brought so many people life and truth and answers and healing. There's so much good in it. But yet, a couple percentage points is flawed and is unaddressed and cause the whole thing to, to not work and to come crashing down. One flawed piece can affect the whole. Now, I'm aware of, like, cancel culture today and the idea that, you know, you make a mistake 20 years ago and all of a sudden you're totally discredited. I mean, we can have some grace here too, right? Like, we, we know that. We understand that. I'm not saying one mistake should define uh, anyone for their lives. I'm not saying that at all. We need to be aware that, that little flaws can cause some big damages. So there's no one so virtuous you cannot break, and it's important because one flawed piece affects the whole, and it's also important because some breaks leave permanent damage. The truth is that some breaks leave permanent damage. There is, there absolutely is forgiveness. There is healing that is real, uh, spiritually and mentally and emotionally, physically. But look at David's life. Again, David's the king from the Bible. He made a mistake. He killed someone's husband impregnated her. I could probably assume that Bathsheba, who then became his wife, she probably wasn't happy about her husband being murdered, and that pain probably stayed with her the rest of her life. 
Uh, later on in David's life, his other son, Absalom, tried to take over the throne because he wasn't chosen as the heir. And for years and years, David had to live in hiding because he had multiple wives and multiple children. His pain didn't just go away. It's not like, oh, he had, we had the funeral for the husband. We're all good now. No, that pain was still there. Some breaks leave permanent damage. I mean, there's an incredibly sad story a couple years ago of a lady who went into her, what she thought was her apartment, but she really broke into someone else's apartment unknowingly. She saw someone sitting there, the black man eating ice cream, and she shot him and killed him because she assumed he broke into her home. All right, it's a tragic story. Then really the clincher is at the trial, the man's younger brother, Brant Jean, he asked the judge if he could give the lady a hug, and he told her he forgives her. Amazing story of forgiveness. Amazing story of grace. I'm sure that brought a lot of healing. But guess what? Brant still has to live the rest of his life without a brother. That pain is not going to go away. Those cracks aren't going to go away. Right? That, in that moment, something broke. I don't know, I don't know what, was, what was in her heart. I don't know if it was just fear built up. I don't know if it was uh, years of racial profiling. I don't know what, but in that moment, something broke in her. She murdered someone. She killed someone in his own home. And yeah, there's forgiveness. And thank God for people like that young man, Brant Jean, who offered amazing forgiveness. But guess what? That brokenness is going to be there. That pain's going to be there the rest of his life. That emptiness, that hollow of ache not having a brother. That damage is not just going to go away. That's why it's so important to have integrity because one flawed piece affects the whole and some breaks cause permanent damage. So this is a warning today, church. This is a warning. Let's be aware. Let's be aware. Because there are things at stake. People's, people's lives are at stake. People's wholeness and health, people around us is at stake. There's no one so virtuous you cannot break. Like I said, our, our last stop on our map today is, is hope. A little bit of hope, and how do we move forward with this? The good news is, even though there's no one so virtuous that you cannot break, there also is no one so broken that God cannot use you. Amen. There's no one so broken God cannot use you. That's the good news. That's the good news. So if you're here, if you're here, and this, this whole message has just been like, like daggers digging into open wound because you can look back at something with regret or feeling it. I, I, I am not trying to do that. I'm not trying to, to dig more things in and make you feel worse. That's not it at all. Because there's no one so broken, God can't use you. You know how, how crazy God's love is, how, how reckless God's love is we sing about? David's adultery and that murder there, God used that to accomplish his plan. God used David and Bathsheba. Their, their next son was Solomon, who God used to carry on the lineage. And God used Solomon to build the temple. God used adultery to build a temple of his presence. Like, God comes in in our mess. God joins us in our mess and works his plan through our mess. That doesn't seem very smart to me all the time, but God's a lot smarter and more loving than I am. He works right in our mess. So even if, if you're looking back and it's you, you're, you're, you're feeling that, that grip, like, I know I've messed things up. I've hurt family. I've, I've, I've hurt my record. I your reputation. I don't know what it is. We might be broken. But hey, God can still use you. Like I said, there is healing. An amazing Psalm, Psalm 51. It's a song of hope and forgiveness, where David writes, create in me a new heart, God. Please restore the joy of your salvation. Bring this, this newness back to me, this joy and this, this heart back to me. And God is faithful to do it. He does it. He forgives and he heals. There's the hope. There's no one so broken 
that God cannot use you. I would rather have, you know, a message of warning that keeps us from needing healing, right? I would rather have that. What's the, what's the saying? An, an ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure? Back or something like that. Let us have some awareness. Let's look back at the ancient paths. Let's see what Paul and Barnabas did, how, in, how much integrity they had. They weren't going to accept anything that wasn't theirs. They weren't going to even go there. They weren't going to allow anyone else to go there around them. They had integrity. All right, so how do we respond? Now, this is going to seem a little weird, but actually, thankfulness. In order to help us maintain integrity, I think thankfulness is key. And there's, uh, using one more sad, chilling, chilling quote from one of these leaders that failed. Some of the victims, they relayed their stories and they said that he said things when he was trying to get them to do whether sexual favors, whatever acts, he said things like, you know what, I need this. This is God's gift to me because of the burden of ministry. Words like that. What, what is, the, what is the, the attitude underneath that? The attitude is, I deserve this. I deserve this. This God has given me so much. He's given me this, this hard ministry. I have to go all over the place and do all this and serve him constantly. I need something else. I need more than just a wife, a spouse. I need more. I, I, I deserve this. I need this. And so, so a scary word like that shows the heart there is someone feels like they deserve more than they really should get, as opposed to Paul and Barnabas who realize we don't deserve anything that's not ours. So thankfulness. I bet if this person was so thankful constantly for their spouse, they wouldn't be looking for sexual satisfaction elsewhere. If they were so thankful for the gift God had given them in ministry, they wouldn't be looking for ways to you know, alleviate that burden. They were so thankful. And in fact, going back to our passage in Acts, this is what Paul does. Acts 14, 15 through 17. Or Paul is saying, no, 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 don't, don't do this, but turn from these worthless things to the living God who made heaven and earth and the seas and everything in them. He's not left himself without testimony to his goodness. Here's what he does. He gives you rain from heaven. He gives you fruitful seasons. He fills your heart with food and gladness. So Paul says, no, 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 no. Don't give any of this to us. Turn to God. Why? Because he is so good. Turn to God because he is so good. And if you, like Paul, you know how good God is, you're not going to be looking to take things that aren't yours. You're not going to be looking to, to satisfy cravings that you don't really need. Thankfulness. He fills your heart with food and gladness. That's why Paul is so, has the security to say that because he knows who God is. He knows God had given him more than he ever deserved. He, he knew who he was in God. He knew God's amazing abundance and goodness. He responded to them saying, no, 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 don't do this. Instead, let's give thanks because God is good. So thankfulness today. Now, if you're struggling with any, anything fidelity-wise, pornography, anything like that, be thankful for your spouse. Someone who's constantly thankful for your spouse isn't going to be looking fill their buckets up elsewhere. If maybe for you, it's maybe dishonesty and maybe taking a little bit more from your job or money-wise, I don't know what it is. Be thankful for your job. Someone who's constantly thankful for your job isn't going to be looking, at, you know, to, to, to take more, to, to hurt your job that you have. I mean, look, we had COVID hit. How many millions of people just in our country were jobless? If you have a job, it's a blessing. Let's be thankful. If you're thankful constantly for God's grace in your life, you're not going to be looking for ways to put other people down and make yourself feel better than them. 
because you don't, you don't need that. You don't need to feel better than them because you, you already have enough. God's grace and forgiveness and his identity in you is enough. And if you're aware of that, thankful of that, these, these cracks of character, we all have them. We're all broken. I am. I am. And, and only because of God's grace am I here right now being able to, to share. I want to be thankful for that. So that's the how today. Let's be thankful. Pretty simple. Let's have integrity and let's choose to be thankful. And yes, there's things like accountability and community and therapy and all those things that can, that can help us and heal us. Sure. But today, let's be thankful. So we're going to end with a song, a song of thankfulness. If you'd like to stand, you can stand. If you want to stay seated, that's fine with me. You can worship and be thankful to God uh, just from eight inches lower than standing up. That's fine. Let's choose something to be thankful for. Let's choose something to be thankful for. Focus on that and let's sing our, sing our thanks to God today for what he's given us.